Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 781. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, email me at rabbiismach at take10fortorah.org. Today's 10 is sponsored by the Lewis family in memory of Fred Lewis. Five Yitzchak ben Naftali David Zechrono Levracha. So this coming Saturday night, Sunday morning, we begin the process of reciting slichos, waking up early or doing it extremely late at night, and uh, saying the slichos. And the slichos we know surround a formula which we find in the Torah first when the Jews uh, achieve forgiveness for the golden calf and then again after the story of the Miraglim it's uh, similar and, and used there as well and that formula we begin as part of our process list Ashkenazim do Sfardim do this the entire month of Elo but Ashkenazim only do this in uh, four days at least minimum, minimally four days before Rosh Hashanah and the reason for the four days before Rosh Hashanah is because you need uh, either the ten days of tshuva and so people who fast all of the ten days of tshuva uh, lose the four days that Shabbos and Rosh Hashanah itself and Erev Yom Kippur. So therefore we start four days before and we always start on Sunday. So minimally you need four days. Minimally you need to start on Sunday. So in cases like this year where Rosh Hashanah is on a Monday or a Tuesday, so then we start the week in advance and we end up with more slichos. So we're going to be starting this Saturday night and again and again repeating repeating the same formula of Hashem Hashem Kelrachum V'chanun etc. We have the entire list of what we know as the Yud Gimel Midos, and it seems central, so central in fact, that all of Slichos is really things that you say before it, things that you say after it, but really Hashem Hashem is the center of it all. So I figured let's talk about this a little bit. What's this all about? Not necessarily yet the Pirush, the explanation of the words, but I wanted to get into like, what what is this formula all about? What is the significance? What do we uh, read or what do we see about the significance of these words, what should we be having in mind? We're going to be doing it so many times. How should we contextualize it in our own heads? So the Gemara Rosh Hashanah says an amazing thing about this formula. It says, That's the introduction to this. In the Pasuk it says, God passes uh, whatever this means. It's difficult to understand all of this, but God passes before him and proclaims, Hashem, Hashem, as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness and faithfulness. He is, uh, he is uh, the MS, he's a uh, faithful, uh, true. And then the next passage says, He extends kindness to the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. And then it uh, it actually continues in the Pasuk, but that's where we stop. So for our purposes, we stop there. And so the Gemara says that all of these different descriptions of how God forgives us, with what traits God forgives us, are these attributes of God's forgiveness. These are the methods, like the steps, or the, the, the different factors involved in forgiveness. So the Gemara says this remarkable thing on Rabbi Yochanan, Would it not be that the Pasuk formulates in this way and says like God passed it involves God physically appearing before Moshe to display how these words are said how these words are used uh, we would not be able we would not be allowed to say these words it teaches us teaches us that God wrapped himself up, so to speak, like a shliach tzibor. He put a talus on. And shows him this tefillah. He says, here's how you do it. You know, uh, watch me, and then you try it. And he says, Whenever the Jews sin, they should do this uh, seder, read this formula. And I will forgive them. 
pretty remarkable, pretty remarkable promise. You say these words, you do this uh, seder, this formula, and you will achieve mechila. A couple lines later, the Gemara says, Amar of Yehuda, Beris Karusa Lashlosh Esrei Midos, the, there's a covenant which is um, which is established with these 13 midos, these 13 attributes, she'enu chozeres rekam, that when one uses them, they will never return empty-handed. The Pasuk says a few lines later, I am making a covenant with you. In regard to this expression, these, this formula of words, this formula of uh, recording and reciting God's different elements of forgiveness, that will, if you, that will succeed inevitably. That if you say these words, they will never be uh, met with uh, no answer. They will always be met with something. And that's a remarkable promise, that we're going to say these words and, and somehow something is going to happen. Now, when it comes to the definition of the words, when it comes to uh, wh- wh- where it starts, where the 13 start, where the 13 end, when it comes to why there are 13 in the first place, was it just that review the red 13? So these are all different discussions. But I want to focus on the power of these words. In Elio Zuta, Medrash says that uh, the power of these words, David HaMelech knew that the Beis HaMiglash would be destroyed. And there would be no more Karbanos. Do to the sins of the Jewish people. And he was very, he was very sad uh, about this. And he said, When there are bad things that happen to the Jews, who will atone? Now, he doesn't say, like, when they have sins, who will atone, because the Jews sometimes don't realize when they have sins that they have sins, but they realize that when bad things are happening, it's probably because of something we had done, and we need to atone, and David's wondering, how are they going to do it in the future? Now, David himself doesn't have a base of English, but there is a Mishkan, but he's worried about a future time when there will not be a Beis HaMikdash, we will not have the trappings of Kapara, of atonement, so what will be in the future? So Amalor HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so God responds, David, Al don't worry about it. I already revealed, I already revealed the method, the form of atonement to Moshe. And I told him that when bad things happen to the Jewish people, they should stand before me as one, in one group, in one collective. So, you know, we're getting a little bit of insight already into how these words are supposed to be said. They're supposed to be said together. They should say these words, and I will respond. And where were these words revealed? And it goes on to say that it's this moment after the second luchos and forgiveness for the sin of the Egel, etc. And the Medrash continues on. Then, Rabbeinu Bachia found on the Pesukim themselves, in Perak Lamedal, Pasuk Vav, and Shemos, so he, he makes the following comment. He says, You need to know, Anybody who understands the 13 Midos, these 13 attributes, and knows what they mean, how they're explained, the Ikran, and, and the root of them, and prays, davens, and says them with Kavana, with intent, his tefillah will not come back empty-handed, meaning he, he will he will succeed in his tefillos. So, so far, we have um, 
a few conditions uh, to say these words. If it's just the saying of the words, the major says that it should be biyachad ba'aguda achas. It should be all together. There should be a sense of togetherness. We say this together. The Rabbeinu Bachir says you need to know v'yodeh perushan ve'ikran their explanation, their root, what they're all about, and you have to say them bikavana with intent. So much so that the Birkei Yosef is quoted in the Shari Tshuva as saying asur lahasker yud gimel midos bikavana. You have to say it with intent, and without intent, it would be for forbidden to say these words. Rashi indeed says on the Paraklamid Gimel, Pasuk Yates, the al she has kiru lefanai, just mentioning these words, racham v'chanon, you're going to be answered, ki kolem, because my mercy has not run out. And it sounds like there is some sort of element to just saying the words. Just saying the words is enough. Of course, you should understand the words that you're saying. And we might explain this in, in a few different ways. Uh, could be that just the study of the words, the focus on these words, you know, the the metaphor of God putting on his talus. So there are a couple ways to understand it in how that translates into specifically what we're supposed to do with these words. But perhaps if all it's about is just saying the words, then we need to put on the talus so that we have a uh, a tunnel vision. You know, putting a talus over one's head, the atifa, the wrapping, really constructs this tunnel vision where you're focused directly ahead. When you're focused on these words and you're focused on the attributes of mercy, and perhaps you might suggest that we're focused on our need for mercy. Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rachum, Vichanun. You know, when somebody imagines that in order for them to be successful in judgment, for them to be successful in a court case, there are going to be 20 different leniencies that a judge is going to have to rely upon to be able to have this person get off scot-free. So when you realize that and you're focused on each one of these elements individually, perhaps that is the greatest musr to us and reminds us how important it is and how difficult it is to do tshuva and how much we rely on Hashem. Perhaps just the using of these expressions and understanding how many expressions are required for our true atonement will inspire us to do better and to be better because we see on the other side how much is required when we don't do well. So this is one perspective, the idea that it's really the words that we use, the words are powerful, we understand them, and perhaps they get us thinking about certain things while we say them, and that's the power of the Yud Perhaps next time we'll see another explanation of what we're supposed to gain from these 13 attributes. Have a great day.